What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Justin Odisho podcast. Creative name, I know. This is actually episode 20. Woo! We are here. Actually, it's like a group chat. This is the second group chat I did. It's uh, considered the season two of the podcast. And I'm sitting here with, let's just go like around from me around to the left. So yeah, please introduce, introduce yourself. yourself. Okay. My name is Justin <laughs> Odisho. As you know, this is my podcast. And this is, uh, I'm here in California getting some work done. Cool. And to my left here. My name I don't know if I introduced myself. Do, are we supposed to look at the camera? Or <laughs> no, no, no. no. We, just, can just, we can just have a conversation yeah. with you. Yeah. I'm Ben Haggerty. I had Justin on my podcast once before and it was awesome. Yeah. You passed me already too. I was your first episode. Actually, I think we started at the same time. But you got like 30 episodes now, right? Uh, no, I wish. Uh, like 20. I don't know. I'm, I think 24 comes out today, which I forgot I have to mix and put up. Yeah. Um, this will be 20. This is our, we're in our WeWork office. Um, this is my team right here. This is Shannon. That's Andrew. Hey. So, Shannon, explain I'll who introduce you are. myself. Shannon, we're very excited to have this you. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So, really? I'm Woo! kind of, you know, new. But um, yeah, I'm Shannon. I'm an editor and I work primarily for Andrew and Ben. She's a, she's pretty new. I'm pretty <laughs> like new. She's new, new to the internet. I'm new to the internet. Like I'm new. new. To the, yeah. <laughs> What's up? I'm Andrew Sandler. I work with Ben and Shannon awesome. over here at these offices. I direct, produce, edit, and a bunch of other things that I'm sure we'll talk about today. So yeah. I'll do this for, for our team us. because they yeah, they're very they are too humble. humble. Shannon's a, Flex a for us. fantastic editor. One of the best editors in LA. And she has Los really Angeles. nice shoes. Boop, boop, Her boop, shoes boop, are fire. Boom. Andrew's one of the best directors on earth. Producers <laughs> and on planet Earth. Mogul. Uh, he connects dots. He's a what do they call it on <laughs> resumes? Like dot connector. He's a professional like dot connector. My, <laughs> professional dot connector. I like that. Yeah. Huh. Change your bio on IG. <laughs> My brother works with someone, and he's like, I don't know why their job title is digital dot connector. <laughs> he's like i specifically work on linkedin and uh connect people on emails so anyway what's up with this podcast what do we do so you know since you're kind of like used to hosting casts you know i thought i could just take it easy and chill and like you'll take care of the show not today (laughs) not today andrew how was your morning morning was pretty good woke up got some coffee got an acai bowl across the street it's pretty lit. Thank you LA. for your diary. <laughs> All right. So actually, so I do, we, we do have some stuff we can talk about because um, I might intro this before and because obviously, you know, you guys have all, all do cool stuff, work on cool projects. The person that might be listening to this is probably some sort of like creative type of person that would be doing something creative as vague as that sounds, probably into videos, maybe highly likely into video editing. And you guys have some experience with that. So, like, when did you all link up? I like, so I met Ben about a year ago. I think I just DM'd him some stupid idea, and then like we did something else. And then I came here and we did his podcast. And then I met you briefly, Andrew, because um, you guys were staying together, I think, right? And um, well, how did you guys all like cross paths? Who wants to go? I don't know well, where the timelines go. I found Andrew because um, I I, fo- I found Andrew first. So match.com. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like I had, I had just graduated um, from college, Sarah Lawrence College, and then I moved out to L.A. because I wanted to. Where is that college? It's in New York, Bronxville, New York. Okay. And so it's just like a liberal arts college. It's not like film school or anything. 
Um, and then I moved out to LA because I figured all the creative, like really cool projects and cool people were out here. So I moved out here and then I was kind of just like flailing and interning and not doing a lot, but I started to follow a bunch of creators on IG just to kind of, you know, see what they were up to. And like, I don't know, I wanted to kind of see like if I could learn anything from their IG page or see what they're posting. And like, I found Andrew and he posted something on his IG story that was like, oh, I need an apprentice or I need mm-hmm. an assistant. And I just emailed him and that's how we met. And and then <laughs> where were you then? So you woke up and then there was a ping yeah. in, your, in your DMs. Yeah. Uh, actually, what, what I did is uh, I was looking for an assistant editor at the time um, and I put out on Instagram that I was looking for somebody. I, I narrowed it down to five people and I sent out... Um, uh, footage from something I was shooting at the time and I sent it out to all five of them and I asked them all to edit a recap for me mm-hmm. um, and Shannon's was Shannon's stood out the most so then we met up and that's how it got started which I think is a, a great way to you know try and find somebody you want to work with yeah IG like yeah there's so many posts on IG there's so many opportunities on IG like that I see all the time and like I'm constantly sending them to my friends and like Mm -hmm. that's something that like I feel like a lot of people don't know is that if you follow creators on IG more often than not they'll post stuff like casting calls or like job opportunities and I feel like that's where a lot of opportunities are and I feel like people aren't like finding them because they're looking in like the wrong places and stuff you think like more traditional like searches they're doing yeah, I feel like people are like looking on LinkedIn or something or they're hoping to go to like networking events, which I've all done before. And like, it's just, it sucks. But IG has been the most like lucrative, yeah. I guess. So that that kind of like points out something. So you didn't look at, or you didn't ask for a resume or blah, blah, blah. You just said like, here's this, can you do the work? Um, well, I did ask for resumes and reels at first and that's how I narrowed it down to Five people. Who was at least organized or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I sent I sent the footage out to the five people. And I think that's a great way to see really fast who's a hard worker and who's not. Yeah. Um, to be able to see like one, how fast I can turn it around, but also like if they're willing to put in the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. the same thing I did for my podcast too, which isn't how we met, but I'm saying just recently getting Dave, who's my intern for Black Window Cream. Yeah. I did the same thing because he did it and we found her. And she's gold. And Absolutely. then, so I repeated it and then it was the same thing. I sent out like one podcast episode and was like, I need this cut quickly. These are what I, this is like a need for me is quick turnarounds and social content. And then th- this dude, Dave, like did it so quick, like mm-hmm. in the same day and everyone yeah. else came up and they were good. But just the fact that he was like understood the importance of how fast it needed to be. That was so crucial. I forgot about the mic thing. Damn. No, you're doing it good. Yeah. You're holding it good. You got this, buddy. Everyone. <laughs> Good job, Ben. Yeah, I remember my first it. podcast. Yeah, I remember my, my first podcast. Baby's my, first podcast. My podcast has the mic on the head thing, so I don't even have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, dude. Ben has like the headset mm-hmm. thing. Honestly, yeah. it makes you guys look like hardcore gamers or like, uh, For sure, like nerds. Yeah. very serious pilots. Like, pilots in training. I want to say also, I, I, I feel like a lot of people nowadays um, are professional networking, like networkers, meaning like a lot of people want to look for work and talk to people about the work. But then when it comes to doing the work, uh, I think a lot of people forget that side of it. And Shannon's been like a hustler since day one. Mm-hmm. So since, you know, she was actually like the first one out of the five people to even turn in the reel or the sizzle reel. And it was the best out of all of them. But since then, she just hasn't stopped hustling and grinding. And like, it's awesome to see her become the editor that she is today. Oh, my 
my god so i'm gonna cry our child's growing up yeah. yes we didn't tell you but this is actually just like an intervention type of, this yeah. is not a podcast oh my god. <laughs> we're the adopting you shit bring in the cake <laughs> 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 the whole thing is like a happy graduate. one year anniversary yeah <laughs> has it been you. like a, a whole year i don't know shit it's probably yeah it's been like a year since october yeah i it's, think <laughs> It's kind of cool because like when I was talking with Josh and we did a podcast with his two, he did like a one month internship with these two dudes and like you guys have people and it's like you're all building a team, but you're all and I'm, I'm like sitting here in Michigan by myself. Like I said, <laughs> my mom helps me. So <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear a core mom? No, uh, but um, like you guys are all gaining like, you know, Shannon's gaining a lot from this and you guys are gaining a lot from this, you know what i guess what could you guys say like what what do you what do you get out of this because is it like a work is it like a trade thing or is it like you're paying her or what sorry um, if that's like a specific question but a lot of people dm me and a lot of people watching this are probably in that position where they want like to like get their foot in the door somewhere or just like start creating stuff but they don't know how mm-hmm. and people dm me all the time and they're like yo what is there anything i can help you do anything i'll do it and i'm just like Mm-hmm. I mean, not at the I not at the moment. I'm just sitting here in Michigan alone. <laughs> but maybe. Yeah. Why does it sound so sad? I'm just sitting here in Michigan, Michigan. alone. Oh There's like God. a song. Move here, please. I need my friends. <laughs> but I, I. But like, I don't even know what I just asked. But no, like, it started like for you guys. Didn't it start? Yeah. Off why? Like, why do you do this? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or like why you've I been do here this. for years. So, so obviously it's been frequently. Good for I asked myself why I do this. But yeah. Um. I don't know. I just wanted to surround myself with people who were like, you know, not better than me, but yeah, like better than me. I wanted to be surrounded by people who are like successful creators or who are creating constantly or who are creating work that I admired and like because I wanted to be there too. And I feel like the best way to get yourself to the next level is to be surrounded by people who are not only like-minded, but also are challenging you. And that's what Andrew and Ben do for me is that they basically just take my skills to the next level and they challenge me and they encourage me and it's just going to get better from there and all I have to do is help them and support them and work with them which I already love you know like so I feel like yeah and uh, like when I moved here Andrew was like my first person that I got to work with on anything that was real Andrew's the plug plug. Andrew's always the plug super plug (laughs) and so he brought me in and under his wing and i was learning from him and just by being there every day like it was so important for me to like and i say this all the time so you kind of did like a similar yeah 100 percent. and like it was like he brought me in on a project that was already budgeted for there was no real room for me but then i came in and was helping him with it and assisting him on an edit and we ended up doing that for the chris brown documentary for yeah forever or whatever and he would just be like he'd try to find ways to get me money like oh hey could like maybe i'll kick you cash or whatever but for me it wasn't even like that really mattered at that point it was like the idea of just learning and being there and being available and showing like because you know what you're good at no one else knows that and it's not up to them to like go do the research so you have to like prove your value basically Mm -hmm. so shannon proves her value by coming in and just killing it with andrew over the first few months like just anything he needs, boom, boom, boom. And then it's cool. Can we bring you on and put you on a retainer for this, for this edit job? Or can you go and do this job and put her on a film? Like we just did a documentary and we're still working on it right now. And Mm -hmm. so she's the editor on that too. So it's like, yeah. And Andrew, Andrew's like really extraordinary. Also Ben is too, because like 
they're not just they're showing you what the vision is like they're not just like keeping me at an assistant level or an assistant editor level they're like allowing me to grow and like giving me opportunities which is like what I'm so grateful for yeah and I feel like not everyone is like that so I feel like you have to find people who are also willing to like encourage you and challenge you and give you opportunities as well you mean like some people will just be like edit this these three clips and mm-hmm. then they like they give you as the bare minimum as you need to know whereas they're like well we're trying to do this one because we're trying to do this stuff overall yeah, yeah. in the bigger picture mm-hmm. for sure yeah. i don't know it's like the open book thing like we sit here and try to brainstorm ideas and think of like what the next move is and stuff like that and if we have all those conversations in secret then it's just us two and then if you yeah. add a third brain to it it's even she more can power. help if she knows tons right of yeah. yeah she plus plus it's cool because like as you know we have projects we're working on together but i think it's so important to surround yourself with a creative team in general especially you know as an editor or as a director or whatever it may be um surround yourself with creative people and we still go off and, and do other work separately but then like we always come back and bring whatever skill sets or whatever you know, new people or ideas that we make or meet on those other jobs. And we still kind of come back to this, this core group, which is cool. So I think it's important to stick to your, like your creative team. If you find it, hopefully if you find it, but I think it's also important to be open-minded about meeting other people and taking on other work as well. Mm -hmm. And you said that like a lot of people email you being like, is there anything that I can help you with? Like sometimes like some people don't have like jobs or whatever for you but like maybe you can email like someone that you admire and you can ask them just like for straight up advice like i did that when i first moved here and like i was surprised by how many people were willing to just give me advice and like i would i emailed like this guy um frederick shanahan he was the editor for the search of general so he that's like a documentary on netflix and I emailed him just asking him for advice and he was really nice and he sent me a huge email that basically said how he became an, a really successful editor. And at the time, I thought that an editor had to be a runner on a show and then had to be an assistant editor for 60 years or something and then would become an editor. But Frederick emailed me and he said, oh, I became an editor just by working with someone who believed in me and I was able to skip that whole 50-year journey of being a showrunner or being an assistant editor. And uh, now I'm an editor. And it was awesome yeah. because he just kind of rewrote this whole narrative for me. Yeah. That's and legit so, what happened to us. Yeah. Because <laughs> of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because what, mean? what happened to you? Guys? Like for me to come in and not have, <clears throat> not having gone to film school or, you know what I mean? It was like a basic ass college or whatever. And... Did I, you go to film school, Andrew? I went to film school. Okay. Yeah. We can get some opinions on that. I, yeah. Uh, we touched on it, but like, mine was like, continue. mine was like, my school was like set up to like, for like news broadcast. That's basically what my college was. Yeah. So was, uh, every, every school has like their media class. Yeah. Like, you know, you can take like a class in television production or. Yeah. Radio, that's exactly what my thing whatever. was. So being there, I was like, I hate this. So I would always try to find creative ways to do shit, which is funny now because we compare our videos from what before like our early videos and stuff like me and Andrew both competed in a Doritos commercial oh, competition yeah. <laughs> like yeah. forever ago. Mine was ter- looks terrible. Uh, and his is I, sick I remember as hell. you said you got some nasty comments on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just cuz it went viral, but that, <laughs> but no big deal. Yeah. It went Still didn't win a million dollars. But <laughs> I have no idea what I was talking about. Damn it. You said that I don't know what you said. So, I think I think <laughs> we were talking about was when when you first moved here, you Ben was Ben started yeah. off as as an intern. Um, he was killing it as an intern and then I pulled him into being an assistant editor when we were working on the Chris Brown documentary. And like he said, like, you know, I was doing music videos at the same time working on the film. So as those were coming in, Ben would also assist and edit those. 
Um, as we kept working on the Chris Brown documentary, Ben kept like proving his worth in the edit room. I eventually pulled him up to co-editor. Um, so I think that's a good way. I think that's what we were talking about. Yeah. A, well, a, a way to kind of get in. But it's somewhere. cool to show that too, because it's like that changed everything for me mm-hmm. to say just that title, even assistant editor. I was like sitting there like, I don't know what I'm going to get on this, but I'm going to be here every day. And we'd sit there in the edit bay, the small ass edit bay every day working on this doc, you know what I mean? Just to like come up with something. And then he gave me that credit, which allows me to go and talk to people. And then they're, Oh cool. You co- you did this yeah. with blah, blah, blah. So you can run and that brings more jobs for us. And then like, even for Shannon, we were, weren't we going to have her be an assistant editor on this doc? Cause me and Andrew were going to edit it. Started off as assistant editor. Right? And she became like the fucking lead editor and just killed that shit. And it's not like about the titles anymore to me, like nothing matters. It's just about having a team that everyone can contribute and come up with a really, really good product. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the end goal and everyone works together and keeps the engine moving. You know what I, I keep this little like book of like random late night thoughts and uh, I always end up writing in it like two or three a.m. But I realized uh, like what you guys are all saying is basically all this sounds like it's such a stupid analogy because Josh said I make so many analogies that are all <laughs> but all all little all like all rivers lead into like the same bigger pool no matter where you start from so like whether that's like it doesn't matter in what what entry point you take it'll all lead to like the bigger pool because same so like with me i do like a lot of educational content type of stuff but like once i become like sort of a, a thought leader in this space now even though i do video editing you guys do video editing now i can still talk whatever with like let's say someone who's real big into like sports content or something so like i run my website let's say someone runs like a sports website me and him still can connect now because we're both kind of like uh gurus gurus of different things so the gurus can connect with the gurus Mm -hmm. and then like it just goes up into like i don't even know what i said but well they all elevate it all elevates you know what i mean so it's like it doesn't so basically all i'm trying to say is it doesn't matter what you do at first it just matters that you like start and then like you'll naturally find your like where you fall with like the best work that you do and Mm -hmm. it definitely comes with passion too because i don't think like shannon came in and has not stopped since she got here you know what i mean it's like dedication every single day goes 100 percent, and it's like i just imagine sweat like because because there's only so (laughs) many chairs you know what i mean yeah. like we can only fill so many chairs and people will message you all the time message him all the time message whoever i should just start like an army of people but i don't have anything to well do. that's what i'm saying like there's only so much room so when you do bring <laughs> someone in that person needs to be ready to go as hard as possible you know what i mean like run to the location do all these things be there on time do all this shit mm-hmm. because like that moment only lasts for so long so like to work with andrew it was like yeah all right cool we get home he let me take we drive from Wilshire to his house and then I'd take his Beamer to the valley because I didn't have a fucking car at like four, three in the morning and then get right back up to go back to pick him up in the morning with his car yeah. to go back to wherever it was to work another full, like all those things. Like it could have been a average or whatever and just said like, oh, I'm just, I'll come in twice a week or three times a week, but he would have still gone six days a week. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm not there, or if I am there, but me being there allowed me to like invest into that and invest into the idea and help elevate the idea and make the idea become what it was. And that's why that fucking doc is like what it is. You're talking about the Chris Brown. Yeah. Chris's doc. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Once you get the opportunity, you definitely have to run with it and give yourself like the best chance possible and just work super hard. And that'll get you in that pool. Yeah. No matter how annoying the task is or no matter how hard it is, because that's just 
that's what, what you, you wanted right? yeah and that's what you want too. you moved out here uh, well that's that goes into like location it seems like location is really important to be physically there like so you moved out here you moved out here mm-hmm. i don't know if you've been here or you live like, i'm i'm born and raised in la born so, and raised in la yeah i have a different definitely different experience than yeah. uh both of these both of these guys that's, and girls. That's why I was saying it was funny comparing Transplants. our videos. Like because yeah. His yeah. videos, were, he, he, he like grew up around this. So he knew like what casting was. I never yeah. thought about casting Is, in Iowa. Like, that's you know probably, I mean? like, so it seems like that's why you, it seems like when they told their story, they, you kind of were like, had a spot for them. So mm-hmm. how did you get a spot for yourself? Uh, mm. A spot what do you mean? Like you know what I'm saying? Like, like you were the person that she reached out to and kind of like brought him on to work on a project. But like, how did you start working on like, you know, you were, you were born and raised here, but, and yeah. you went to film. School, yeah. So that's probably w- how you got the connections. Well, surprisingly enough, like who did I mean, you DM? I had that's a right? great, a great experience. <laughs> I had a great experience with film school for sure. And I met a lot of great people, but I don't think any of my jobs straight out of film school, uh, were directly correlated to film school, maybe in some like bigger picture way. But uh, I actually got my first start because I reached out to one of my favorite directors, which I think, like Shannon said, is is the best way to, you know, like figure out who you like, where you want to be in five years, find that person and either try and model your career after them in some sort of way or just reach out to them. Um, One of my favorite directors uh, for a long time, music video director was Anthony Mandler. So I reached out to Anthony Mandler at the time. He got lunch with me. He responded. We actually ended up having mutual friends, but yeah, he, uh, he responded. We got lunch. And then he introduced me to Andrew Listerman at Riveting Entertainment, um, where we started doing music videos for Chris Brown. How long was this about? This was about a year after film school. Okay. Um, so because of those music videos with Chris is how we gained his confidence because I was actually working on another documentary at the time straight out of film school. Um, super low budget. It was just like me running around with my camera. I was editing it. I was shooting, I was shooting it. I was basically doing everything. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying, like, a, you know, about the hustle, you know, of course, like I don't want to be the one doing all, you know, all of these jobs in my mind. I picture I, like in my mind at the time I was competing with Mandler, with Colin Tilly, with all these people, even though I wasn't no, like anywhere near their level, but in my mind I was like, I already saw myself there, mm-hmm. but I think that you have to do the hard work, like you said, and not have any pride when you're first starting out to do all of those things, even if you don't want to do it. Yeah. Like I didn't want to edit it, but yeah. I had, you know, no choice. I just yeah. wanted to direct it. But sometimes, you know, you kind of got to go above and beyond. Yeah. yeah. So because of that experience with that documentary, that's what gained the confidence of Chris to be able to do his documentary. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like if you're, I think I'm going to intro, I usually intro these with like a good bio and some like highlights and stuff, but it seems like you guys have worked on some pretty big projects at this point. Pretty like, you know, actually, what's funny that Chris Brown documentary was in that little Dicky music video. Did you guys? Yeah. Like, yes. No, did you guys like have anything to, to like do with that at that point? Um, Sign well, off. Actually, when they were shooting it, because uh, Ben and I had worked with little little Dicky before on yeah. uh, uh, EA commercials. Little Dicky actually texted me. He was like, "What's up, man? It's Little Dicky, the rapper." The rapper. <laughs> he, <laughs> That's what he said. It's, it's I, Lil I Dicky, met him the at a rapper. concert once, and he's like, and like after the show, he's like uh, taking pictures, just saying what's up. It was like three, four years ago. So it was a small show at the shelter in Detroit. So like a hundred people maybe. And he's like, hi, I'm Dave. <laughs> That's, how, That's he, how he does it, dude. <laughs> he's, like, this guy's he's awesome. awesome. His little, he's awesome. like in the text is just, hey, this is, this is Dave. Or this is Lil Dicky, the rapper. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's literally what he said. Hey, yeah, this, is Lil, this is Lil Dicky, the rapper. Like there's he goes, other Lil I heard you're Chris Brown's director. 
uh, I'm shooting a video with him. Can we talk about a few things? So I called him. He told me about the concept, but I didn't know they were going to use the documentary. Yeah, footage. Maybe. That's I, like but I don't think the documentary like, did have the documentary come out when he texted me that. Yeah, oh, because so Tony, Tony, um, Tony directed that and he called me to to ask for his because he was like, how, how do you work with Chris on that stuff? So like they were just trying to get intel on it. And mm -hmm. I think it had come out, but they in in the Dickie video, you see our documentary on TV yep. and it's the same actual footage, but they reshot the like really intense interview that we do with Chris in like a warehouse, but they had him like being like, man, I could wish I could just Oh, it's like they <laughs> modeled it after the shot you guys did, but they had to change the script. To fit just the one video. shot is replaced. Everything is else actually is actually anything. Yeah. You, so the footage that you guys, that's in the music in video, the Freaky Friday video, yeah. which got like 12 million views. At it's at 30 million right now. Wait, it's at 30 million yeah, it just views. Got the like, internet moves fast. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the docs in that shit is crazy. We watch it. I'm like, oh, they have our doc in there. Like, yeah. That video is brilliant. It's they so they did such a good job, it, and it's like a radio smash too. It is. I, I if heard you're it not in the club. Is it on the radio already? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, oh my yeah. God. Like my friends, they don't listen to that kind of stuff. Like you know, they they just like the regular stuff on the radio. And uh, I realize that they're playing it on the radio, but I don't like at, at first listen. You don't realize that the song's trying to be funny. Or Thirty-nine million well, views. Thirty-nine million views in one week. Jeez, that's insane. That's probably one of the biggest songs Chris Brown's even been a part of in a while. I'm not going to discredit Chris Brown because he has hits for days. Yeah, it pretty I'm much any song he like, puts out gets but, like but recently, like, that's probably one of the most viral videos on the internet right now. Mm -hmm. It is doing really well. 40 million. I wonder if it'll be, um, uh, well, damn, all of Dickie's videos are pretty Yeah, popular. all of his videos are like 10 mil. His one, yeah, um, anyway. Shout out so to you, Lil uh, you said it's mainly editors listening to this podcast? Well, or a lot of creative people? Because I want to talk about... A lot of people that watch me are interested in learning the Adobe Creative Cloud software, which means that they're probably video editing or doing something and, or just like trying to be like a, their own thing, like a YouTuber or a podcaster or whatever. So cool. what did you want to talk about? Like film school or, uh, or what, what did, what was it? Well, while the three of us are here, I think it'd be cool maybe to talk about our process, um, yeah. for documentaries or I guess anything, but specifically documentaries. I think it's cool how we tackle the edit, how yeah. we, uh, do the writing of a documentary because even though documentaries aren't scripted, there's still a whole lot of writing involved. The way that we do the post-its, yeah. the way everything else could be cool to talk about. Actually, the yes. editing before the editing. I I do have people that question. So like, imagine somebody just trying to like say, I want to shoot a documentary, but like, where do I start? Or I want to shoot anything really, but where? Because your process probably can work for anything. Sure. I think a lot of people might not realize if they're just like, okay, I got this camera, I got this computer you know, I want to do something and just, where do you start? But it seems like you guys are pretty organized and they might not realize that this person does this and there's tasks and there's roles and there's a team. So what we'll give it like a basic outline for someone. I, I guess. can actually talk about, um, something that's worked for me for a long time and I actually do this for the Chris Brown doc even before, uh, Ben came. But when I have an idea for something, uh, documentary, like specifically, I do a sizzle right away. Even if I don't have the footage, I get and all the footage I can. So basically a sizzle is a sizzle is taking footage and putting together uh, a sample, like a one minute kind of highlight reel or anything that gets the story across of whatever you're trying to create. Kind so at this like a point, trailer. You, you yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like a trailer. At this point you have, so you're saying so, you already shot the footage at this point. You have a bunch of No, material. no, no. It's, it's, it's even before I've shot anything. So, so like how do for, you make a sizzle? So, in, so when I pitched the Chris Brown documentary, I basically got all the footage I could from offline, uh, from online, from I interviews. Um, and the point of a sizzle is it, like everybody knows that it's not 
that you haven't shot the film yet, essentially. It's but like you're line. you're presenting it in a way that uh, a way that people can can watch and get an idea possibly for how you want to make it or what you want to do. So I got as much footage as I could that was available online, footage from his shows, footage from interviews that he's done, and I cut together like Shannon said, it's kind of like a like a trailer. Uh, one minute trailer, and I still do that today. Just that for a documentary that and I'm that trying helps to pitch like right now. Networks like or whoever you might be trying to take it to, or even the artist. Like if say like his relationship with Chris was like, hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, that'd be cool because this is what it could be like. And they see the trailer like, holy yeah. shit, yeah, I didn't even think about my life like that or something. Or a network would be like, yeah, okay, cool. How much do you need? And that's when you start talking about funding and those. So that's like the very like he could be doing that and taking a risk of his time, and it might not ever happen. But it's just like if you make. 10 of those, maybe someone will bite on one. You know what I mean? Yeah, about exactly. It. Plus it also, it also like as much as I'm making it to try and sell the idea, it also helps me as a creative flesh out the ideas that are running through my yeah. head. It's like a like, rough draft, but yeah. for video, it's like, instead of writing a rough draft, it's like bullet points, but mm -hmm. in video format. I mean, you still have to, you know, when you're pitching something, you have to have this sizzle, but you still also have to put together a creative yeah. deck also. Yeah. So you still have to do actual writing, you know, talking about how you want to make the film. Um, pictures you, like a treatment basically in addition to sizzle not everyone does sizzles I think it helps but I think it also helps me flesh out an idea as a creative um, to be able to sort through those ideas um, we just did a sizzle for a documentary that we're pitching right now and when we we're working on that sizzle I think it helped me understand like how I want to make the film yeah. which I didn't think of before I dove into making the sizzle if that makes yeah. sense mm -hmm. no so I mean for anyone listening and they might whether you want to just make something for yourself or you know send it to somebody hopefully to like land it into a bigger project i think like the way that you're saying it makes sense that it's structure for yourself or whether you're like submitting it actually uh the sizzle for the chris brown doc actually turned into the first minute of the film so oh, if really? you are i mean it changed a little bit but more or less if you watch the the intro to the film everything before the opening title was basically the sizzle that I pitched. And that's, you can watch it on Netflix, right? Yep. Yeah, you can yeah. see it on Netflix. And my password for anyone that I don't wants know if I ever told anyone that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's what? I don't know if I've ever told anybody that. Well, that, and it was cool too. Oh, about the that sizzle? It's actually yeah. the first, basically the first minute of the film Exclusive. now. Exclusive. So if you want to know what a what a sizzle yeah, is so like, watch the first minute. There of you the go. Chris right. Brown what do they search on Netflix? Chris Brown. That's welcome it. to my life. Yep. Chris Brown. Welcome to my life. It's the number one trending doc for a long time. It shouldn't be hard to find. Yep. But you wonder what else was cool because when I got there, that's what Andrew basically had created already. So I saw that, and it, as soon as I see that, I'm like, "Damn!" Because it wasn't—it was like a movie trailer. Mm -hmm. You're like, "Wow, this is so impactful. It seems so crazy." And then it just—you you just understand what it kind of sets the tone for what the film will be. But it was also cool because what Andrew did, which was really smart, and I didn't know about this, is he like scripted out the entire movie based on what he knew about Chris. Before having really done any of the good, like big interviews, it was like he had scripted it out. So it was like, hey, from one to one minute to five minutes, this is what we're going to try to aim for. This will be accomplished at this point. Here's where this will happen in 30 minutes. So you almost and do you kinda, know like this is going to be an hour long or. Well, the way that I approach approach and still approach documentaries is like, I guess because my film school background, I have those fundamentals of feature film, like actually scripted projects. Mm -hmm. So I really just apply what I knew about writing uh, scripted films into documentaries. So I know there's a great book out there. Um, I think editors should read it too. It's called Save the Cat. It's, I've read it. It is the best book on screenwriting. Save the Cat. It's super okay. easy read and it has everything you need to know. It literally breaks down like what story beats need to happen at what point in the film. And if you watch any film ever, after you read Save the Cat, you'll see that they're all the same. Yeah. 
I've been watching so many like classic films right now that play around with like all types of like like different like you know Pulp Fiction is edited like where the beginning is at the, the end is at the beginning and the middle you know the scenes. Um, have you seen? Have you guys? What else? Have you seen it? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Of course, yes. long time ago. Yeah, that I just recently watched that again, and that video is all edited in like. Uh, it's dealing with like inception type of memories. And then once you finish the movie and you go back to the beginning and you like real, like you don't get the beginning until the end. Mm-hmm. You're saying Love that it. would fit like those crazy type things would fit. Every, mm-hmm. every movie has uh, story beats in it that all happen at the same time. If you read save the cat, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. And it was cool because that it literally was like that. Like when we were editing, I would be like, Hey, what if we, went to this and you'd be like, no, we have to wait till 10 minutes. We need to finish this portion first before we get to this part because it, it'll just flow better. Yeah. And it did once we got there and that we implemented that scene or whatever it was that would, you know, maybe we had to go flashback to like his hometown, but we needed to establish everything else prior to that. As soon as we got to the hometown at seven minutes, that worked perfectly. And then at nine minutes, we were done in the hometown and we moved on to like, you know, high school or what it was like. So like these points just made so much sense. And then we, we just flushed it out and it literally matched the time. Like if you go look at, if you can find, I don't know where that file's at, but like to find what that timeline was then I'm pretty sure the doc, it's not going to be at identical, but it's pretty close to it. Yeah. We, so, so, so basically what, like what we do now essentially is we have a huge wall in our office that has post-its all over it. They do. And you'll see like, what's that? I said they do. I can confirm. I'll like put a behind <laughs> the scenes picture. Yeah, something. do it. You'll, um, so you'll actually see on the wall, it says act one, act two, act three. Um, and before you do anything, just like I said, if you read save the cat, then you'll know where certain beats need to happen. What's a beat? Not, not, not all documentaries follow that. I think that there's a lot of exceptions to documentaries. That's why this doesn't work for doc, all documentaries, but for what I've been doing, it works. A story beat is essentially, um, a story beat is, yeah, it's, 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 you know, character arcs and things that need to happen to certain characters in order for a story to flow, um, the right way. Yeah. Um, so you see on our wall, you know, it says act one, you know, you know, within the first 10 minutes, this has to happen and you can't always predict what's going to happen in, you know, in documentaries, it's super uncertain, but you can prepare as best you can to be able to fit those moments yeah. and look out for those moments when you're shooting or when you're editing. Someone did DM me one time with a kind of specific question that I feel like I never had the answer for him, but for that one person, maybe you, you can help. They actually were doing some sort of like docu insight to it was like some rapper or something to say and they were wondering like how they should go about it like just following him in the studio but the main question they had is how do i like sit them down and interview them especially when you're working with an artist like chris brown where i don't know if he has all the time in the world and you guys probably have to get your stuff and you don't have much takes like do you just sit him down in a chair and just start going or like the brilliant thing that we did and and Andrew had interviewed Chris. You had interviewed him right before I got there, I think. Like as I was there, they interviewed him. So they had like one master interview, right? And so that starts off explaining a lot of the early moments. And it might have gone into later stuff, but what we did was we used that to build the beginning of the film. And then we just we did a second interview where we knew we had fu- we had time to like craft new questions that we knew specific to the timeline of the film where we were at. So like we might have had a rough edit of the whole movie, and then we're like, oh, we need Chris to talk about this here because this is where we need him. He didn't. He vaguely answered it in this interview, but we need it. So the second follow up was super key for us. And you can see there's two different looks in the interviews, so we we're able to go back and forth from them. But 
I there's think a some, lot of sorry, go for there's it. some people who say like you shouldn't prepare any questions like you can just go and sit down and just feel it out but like I feel like in my opinion I like the idea of being prepared and having questions prepared or like at least with you and maybe you don't have to have like a huge piece of paper maybe mm -hmm. you can put on like an iPad or something but I feel like at least thinking about what questions you want to ask or what you want to get out of that person will really help you when you interview yeah. somebody I mean me and Ben at this point have done like a, a couple dozen podcasts respectively each. And that's true. Like what I do actually, I guess uh, I don't, I haven't done a documentary, but when I sit like, this is a group chat. So we're just kind of like, you know, throwing, I like just having fun. But if I was doing a one-on-one -on -one interview with me and you or me and you, I would like my, the way I try to do it is so take it, I take it from like the start of the journey to you know, some cool highlights to like where they want to go in the future. And I write, I take uh, the notes app on my computer or phone and I just like kind of bullet point and then I organize them kind of also in like the time, like, so the questions about where you were born, I'm not going to ask them at the end. I'm going to mm -hmm. ask them at the top. And then like, I kind of exactly, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and it seems like, do you do you write notes down when you i just keep I them did. in my head and well, sometimes i forget but like like you were my first interview on my podcast and we talked for like three hours three hours <laughs> but that was because now i keep them like an hour but yeah that's that was the same but like i had so many questions i did so much research and i was trying to find it because i was so nervous that yeah, i wouldn't yeah, have a good well. conversation like i want to make sure we hold it so now i think most of my interviews now like i just go off of what I know about them and then I learn stuff on the fly. So I agree with Shannon too, because I feel like we need to have all the questions, but for this on top of me, just not having enough time to prep, like I'm pretty shitty at that. But mm -hmm. I feel like if we just have an organic conversation, like we'll get there and you will tell me about certain things or something like that. But I try to make notes on a few major things so we could talk about certain points, but it, you're right. You want to start here and get to the end. And you have to have like a framework. Goal. You have to have a yeah. framework of, of what you want, but also be open to segueing into different topics that might come up or you might not have prepared for. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a balance of being prepared because you have to know the story you want to tell. You can't just like, you know, follow a subject and, and hope that, you know, something happens. You can piece something together later. Maybe that's okay at first if you're trying to like really understand and uh, find the story. But at a certain point, you have to switch over to knowing what story you want to tell and then searching for those moments. And you can't be as you, like you were asking about Chris Brown um, or anybody else for Chris Brown's doc. I just sit down and interview everybody you see in that doc. So I'm, I'm the one interviewing Mike Tyson and uh, Jennifer Lopez and Rita Ora and everybody else. And I think that you just can't be scared mm -hmm. because one of my earliest professors told me you can't go to every theater and explain to your audience why something is a certain way. So that movie's on Netflix now and say like I was too scared to ask Chris Brown a certain question or dig into the Rihanna situation or whatever, the film might not have turned out that great. And now that film is out there for everybody to see with my name on it. And so you just have to be prepared to not be scared and ask the questions that you need to tell the best story that you can. Yeah. If they want to say, no, I don't want to answer that. They can e say Exactly. No. Yeah. And one thing like for this documentary we're in the middle of right now, um, which is what all the post-it notes and stuff are in our office. But like, we had a plan for what the film would be and we kind of had it based off of that and it was kind of around this big event, right? So I don't know if we sh can talk about too much about it right now, but I'll give you, this I just want to talk about what it's going like to be about. A month. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. maybe, who knows? So anyway, it's 
we went to this event and we all flew to Ohio and filmed this event in Ohio, right? And we were there for like a week. After that, we got a majority of our interviews that week. We hadn't started editing the film. We knew what kind of idea what it was. But when we came back here, that's where we started creating all the post-its. We went through. Shannon transcribed the entire every interview that we did. And then she pulled out all the gold moments. And we started listening to those. And we had all the gold moments. And we How did you figure out what was, what was a gold moment? Um, I just read the interview. And whatever stood out to me or, I guess, spoke to me then those were like the moments I thought were cool. But she also had a theme too. Like we knew what our goal of our film was. So she's going off those moments matching the idea of our film. So, Mm -hmm. oh cool. They're talking about this. That's perfect because that's what the doc's going to be about. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So we'd write those all down and each person would have their name and then all these these moments. This is how we approach this doc. Anything is different. But then we were able to sit there and start piecing those together. All right, cool. Well, in the the first 10 minutes, we know we want to talk about this. Did anyone say anything about that? cool, maybe this would go here. So then we're literally putting it on paper and then when we go in and edit, we're actually copying and putting those pieces in there and seeing it flow and then we have to find out how to transition. So there's a process for it. It's always different, but there's always a process or you should at least try to have a process when you start a project. You know what I mean? Whether it's a Mm -hmm. podcast or a vlog or something, you can't just... Sometimes you can though, especially with rappers because I've been there and if you're filming a rapper and you have to come up with a story and you're like I want to do an interview or I don't know how to do a doc it's like I think you also just have to sometimes deal with what you have Andrew was out running and gunning and filming that documentary that he did at the beginning for Ryan Blair and he's running and shooting and I don't know if you necessarily knew the story right away but you're just creating moments or finding and pil- yeah. telling the story as you go sometimes. yeah that's the power of like editing and like the post because you can shape what you have you know mm-hmm. for it's sure just that, yeah. you know the better you shoot it the, the better time you'll have mm-hmm. but you can definitely take raw footage and turn it into something like mm-hmm. i always see stuff what what did i see a movie's always made three times it's made in pre-production production and post and it could be three completely different movies mm-hmm. absolutely I like I saw Ooh, something that was like I like that I was watching something and they were like and they just cut oh yeah what that that young thug music video do you yeah. know what I'm talking about yeah the one the, where, where they're like young thug was gonna show up but then he didn't show up and this is all the footage we had oh yeah that's great and I was like this is way better than anything that would have happened <laughs> if they would have went to plan you know mm-hmm. so it can go to plan which i sat there and had a debate with everyone to s- decide if that was actually the Planned. treatment or if no i guarantee young doug like <laughs> didn't <laughs> show up <laughs> mm-hmm. he's like maybe i don't know i feel like young thug really just like forgot to show up or like didn't care probably i love that stuff that was such a good i <laughs> love great. videos that go like play off the idea of like what the process is of making a video yeah they get like meta like drake drake's um uh, god's plan video and he just went into, yeah. i don't know how many yeah, times exactly. i told andrew like let's just Give them, like, how much was the budget? Oh, it's 60K? All right, let's just take that and do something wild yeah. with it. And or, no one ever can because it's too edgy and, like, what if no. it goes wrong or something? Or, like, you guys seen the, the Casey Neistat Nike ad or whatever? Mm-mm. It was It's kind of older at this point, but you know Casey Neistat. Oh, uh, the running? Of course. Yeah, he, Nike gave him a budget for, like, a commercial. And uh, what he did was instead he just used the budget to travel around the world. Mm. And uh, while traveling around the world, he kind of, like, made us still made it a great commercial but like he took their budget and used it i don't know oh i think i know what you're talking about yeah i can't explain it it was a running commercial it was supposed to be four commercials for nike and then he turned it into one video where he spent the entire budget to travel around the world in like eight days yes or something and then so he flew to like 30 countries or something crazy in certain amount of days and then made one piece but it wasn't like a for a Nike commercial, it was shot like a vlog or a YouTube yeah. content. It wasn't they, like a clean, polished. Like, it went really well. Crazy. It did nuts. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, like, I guess, you know, don't get too like nervous, but so, so where are we then in like the process you said? Cause there's a full process. We talked about the sizzle. We talked about like the shooting. Are we now in the middle? Like when does it get to Shannon's desk or whatever? Or like, how is it delegated at this point? Um, how is it delegated? I mean, you start editing as soon as the first footage is in the can. I oh, think. you just start. Well, well you, get, you start going through it and you pull selects and yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, yeah, it seems like the, the more you do at once, the better you'll be able to like, like you said, prepare questions that need to be filled into certain spots. Yeah. I mean with, with, with Chris's doc, it was the questions were changing based off of the edit. So it was like, you know, I would interview, um, Rita Ora and she would say something new I'd never heard anybody say before and I'm like oh that has to be in the doc and then everybody I interviewed after Rita Ora I'd make sure to include that question to kind of build off each other so you have your framework of the movie or the story you think you want to tell but you have to be open and malleable to that constantly changing throughout production based off of what you know people say in certain interviews or what footage you get there's even tricks too that I don't know if the, I think this had to have been your idea because I thought this shit was so clever like as we're cutting that doc, it had to be my idea. It, it sure was, so was your idea. <laughs> sure was your idea. Because it was so clever. Well, it also could have. I was sleeping on his couch in his office at the house, so maybe I was talking in my sleep and came up with the idea. Yes. And I heard it and ran That's with it. <laughs> Andrew, do this. Uh, no, but it was so like towards the end of the doc, we had people that were in the film that could no longer be in the film for like legal reasons or whatever the fuck. So we had to pull out certain interviews. Right. And some of the things that were said were so good. We we're like, fuck that really told that part of the story or whatever. And Andrew was smart enough because we still had more interviews that we could get. And he would interview people that he knew could also answer similar questions and got them to like, say, not like, Hey, will you say this? It was like, he got asked them the same question in a way that he knew that they would answer similar. Yeah. And that filled gaps that was able to allow us to still get someone to say certain things that we could have in the, in the movie that, we didn't have to re-edit the entire section or something like that. We were able to still keep those gaps where we needed someone to say like, Chris was so fast on the basketball cart. That's why he's awesome at basketball. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, we got someone else to say that. So yeah. it was like finding creative ways to like fill in those gaps. And we're doing that with this doc. It's mm -hmm. like we come up with answers yeah. or questions like that can Documentary answer. filmmaking is funny because like I feel like usually you think there's pre-pro and then there's like um, production and then you put, you're done and you put everything in post. But with documentary filmmaking, you... I feel like you go back and forth with post and production a lot because like post can help you can help make you just make decisions and like the production and stuff. Yeah. Like we need this bit. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So I feel like it's funny. Like there isn't really like one step, two step, three step, and then you're done with yeah. documentary filmmaking. But like, it's like they're all kind of like jumbled together because it's just a mishmash. Yeah. Which is but that's daunting. why if you, if you do the, if you do as much writing as you can, like whether it's post-its or whatever your, whatever system works for you. But sometimes there's so much footage and so much going on that it's easy to get lost and feel overwhelmed. That's why if you have a framework of what you want and you prepare as best you can um, without the footage, then it helps you stay on track once you have the footage. Yeah. Especially when you get to like documentary stuff, I'm sure you just collect like a bunch of footage. Yeah. And something we also do is transcribe the interviews. So we have, that's we, so key. Yeah. We send uh, all the interviews out to this company that we use in Canada and they send back a transcription, which is basically uh, the interview in word form. Yeah. So you can search in words, you know, key points or topics that you want. Like literally helps. control F. 
Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. that's dope. Yeah. So that's like really if cool. you're editing something, maybe you're editing like a scene about like basketball or something and so you you're... remember like, oh, I remember this like interviewer said like, oh, I used to play basketball like when I was seven, but like you don't remember where and like you can command F and look in your transcript where they said that. That's but, super cute. Yeah. And yeah. That way you don't have to scrub through footage yeah, or watch. And sometimes you forget back. like that there was a moment that someone said something, but when you're reading the transcript, you can see like, oh my God, I totally missed that when I was scrubbing through it. And yeah. then you can put that in your doc. Yeah. So transcribing is so key. Yeah. And you have like, say you have 15, 20 interviews that's so many different clips that you have to go find and go back to blah, blah, blah. So we can pile all of those same transcripts in one doc. And then when you're searching certain something like whatever the keyword is, it's like you're seeing everyone that talked about it. So now, you know, you could build a section and have three people talking about versus just one person like mm -hmm. that you met happen to find. You could add more value to that by multiple mm -hmm. people or something, you know, give you a better look. Yeah. Because even for YouTube videos, it's better search engine wise to have like closed captions and transcriptions in mm -hmm. as many languages as possible. So like right now, a big thing is like transcribing to Chinese because there are like uh, another billion people potentially that just do not, like I've had people reach out to me, like I can translate and transcribe your videos into China, but then they want to upload them on like their, these other. So I just saw Gary Vee started doing that. Yeah, he did just started a Chinese Instagram page. And yeah. I think it's really like, it could be powerful, but, but like, I love that dude, shit. if you transcribe the podcast into like as many languages as possible, but like, you know, that uh, people might not know, but there's website services that you literally send them and they charge per minute, I think, of footage to like transcribe or give you closed captions. Yeah, that's, that's what whatever. we use. Yeah. yeah. There's like a whole, a whole bunch of different websites. Wow. Too. But, um, yeah, just for, that's a little SEO like tactic. If anyone's trying to explain. Shannon's a beast transcriber. We just needed her to do other things. So we had to outsource. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. She really wanted to keep doing it. It's like, like the, it's like a t tedious work. It takes time. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So that's kind of like, there's a computer auto generated stuff too. That might be like semi reliable, but it probably, you not, know, how yeah. that works. Well, the Tesla or that Uber car just killed a girl yesterday or oh, two yeah, days yeah, ago. Yeah. So trust no one. That was bad. I was talking about that and like, every uber drive i took <laughs> but um i mean another thing that pops into my head when you talk about like being malleable like this podcast is a prime example of of like some the creating something in like a microcosm because what happens is i learned is i have this list of questions but then i also have to listen closely like everyone has where they want to take the conversation but it never goes where you want it's like a living thing of its own because Ben's going to say something and then Shannon's going to say something and then it's going to kind of go like where it goes. And it's like, it's, it's living on its own. You just have to like, let it go. And that could be a good thing too, because you can hear, and that's why it's important. Like when Andrew's interviewing Chris and getting like this insane interview, he also we're listening and trying to take notes on certain things that he, Oh, Hey, he hasn't talked about this yet. Can you like, you know what I mean? Or yeah. try Like we'll do it in a, our latest interview where we'll ask all the questions and then step back for like five minutes, just take a five minute break and be like, all right, what did you hear? What, what do we need? What yeah. did we cover? What didn't we cover? And we'll try to go back and ask those questions too, you know? So yeah. it's good to let them like kind of go off on tangents because you never know where they're going to take it. And they might yeah. say some wild shit that they've never said in their entire life just because you happen to like feel Always loose and keep comfortable. Asking, like, yeah. And why? And why did that happen? Yeah. And, and you don't have to that? be so formal either. Like, you can prepare, but like if you're too formal, it's like kind of weird and like yeah. rigid and like, like if I had, yeah, 
So, Shannon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you're constantly looking down and, like, reviewing your questions, it's kind of weird. And, like, I'll go back and I'll look when I'm editing, like, the doc. I'll look at um, the interview and I'll hear Ben and Andrew, like, asking questions. And, like, they're very informal, which I feel like is really good. Like, Ben will be like, oh, I remember this happened, like, one time. And, like, he doesn't use, like, like actual words sometimes yeah, sometimes like, you're like, like some oh, fucking shit where yeah. boom boom you know that yeah. time where like <laughs> you're like yeah and like people like respond to it and they're like oh yeah like i know what you're talking about and it's like that kind of like makes them feel comfortable and like helps them kind of because if you answer it and if you have it just connecting that way like i feel like is so important and i see how people act like treat it like an everyday like if the cameras weren't on you because i don't know how many times we're around people and it's like so easy just to like the camera goes on it's different yeah but then also when you're like hey like when someone asks you a question and you start to answer and then they like fucking tune out and start like looking at their phone or something that's the same thing in, in an interview like you hate that shit so if you're sitting there interviewing someone and all of a sudden you're like trying to review your notes when they're staring at you and they're giving you their heart and they're telling you everything about their life situation or whatever. Like no one wants to answer you properly that way. So it's like, if you can try to maintain or memorize what your questions are, or try to get the bulk of it. Like you tr like practice that shit. It's like, I want to make sure I know exactly what I want to ask you. And then mm, I'm good. It on is coffee. black with no cream. It is. This is <laughs> not a black with no cream podcast. But not I mean good. the vibe. I'm good. I know Thanks. this is not Black with No Cream podcast, but I always have. You coffee. know the lifestyle is Black with so that's No true. Cream. That's so true. <laughs> but like my my main point was to try to like be as prepared as possible for your your interviews and like know what your main goals are, but be open to like exploring routes that you didn't plan for, and then always know that to try to take it back because it's good to go off on tangents, but you always want to try to bring it back so you make sure you're covering your ass on the shit you're you know you're asking. It's. I think it's about listening. What's the, one. If you're watching but, the video portion of this, you see <laughs> you're like, what is going trying on? to give his sister yeah. like his wallet and shit. No, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, large espresso. No, the, see these things happen. But I want to, I want to go off on like a kind of like a final couple points here because I think we definitely gave a lot of good experiential information and like stuff like that. But one, I want to because a lot of people ask this, and I like just having it on record. I want to ask, since you've actually gone to film school, today, 2018, like, uh, what would you say about it, recommend it, or not? I've given my opinion on this, like, over and over. And uh, anyways, I want to hear from you, because you went. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I loved my film school. Do I think you need to go to film school now? No, definitely not. I think that... Uh, I think there's different types of people and you just have to do what's what's right for you but above anything else invest in yourself so mm -hmm. whether you think investing in yourself means going to a film school to learn fundamentals because you learn better that way then do that do that for other people investing in yourself might be um you know you have a passion project that you want to do um do that instead of film school because i think the best way to learn is just through experience mm -hmm. yeah yeah, similar to, I think, like, what you said, know what's right for you. Basically, I think a lot of people just get confused by the terminology of, like, should I go to film school or not? I think if you're trying to, like you said, if you think you'll learn good that way and you want to make the certain connections and stuff and relationships, it could definitely be helpful. But don't get confused and think, like, well, I really want to, like, edit videos for my YouTube channel and, like, talk about what I like to do. 
they get confused. They confuse filmmaking with video editing like a lot. And they're kind of, there's much related things, but they're separate in mm-hmm. a way too. Yeah. Well, like I wanted to become a film editor, like after, um, like when I grew up and I was like looking into film school, but I noticed that a lot of it wasn't really post-production focused. So I just decided to go to a liberal arts school at Sarah Lawrence college and just get like an education. And I did do some film classes, but I would mostly do internships, like film editing internships, and that's like how I got, how I learned. And I feel like what you're doing is like really cool because you have all these tutorials, and like now people, you don't have to go to film school for like post pro, you know? So I feel like even if you do go to film school though, I would say um, there's so many resources now that you should just always be teaching yourself outside of school or outside of anything yeah. you're doing always put in the extra work to learn different tools because you there's you can only learn so much in film school yeah. like i learned in film school i learned a lot of cool fundamentals and um we learned to edit on different platforms but i knew how to edit before then but they're not in there really teaching you like of like various like niche and specific skill sets for that you got to reach out to you know other people or find a mentor and what you want to do or go on youtube and you know watch tutorials things like that and mm-hmm. i just feel add like- to your skill set like the common thing that's it goes back to how you him saying invest in yourself but like i didn't know i knew how to edit i knew how to pick up a camera and shoot shit but like coming out here i didn't understand like basic terminology that you would use on set like all of a sudden there's departments and things like that you no one's teaching that technically on youtube you know what i mean like that you can learn how to edit you can learn how to do these cool transitions you can shoot on it's cinematic with fucking gimbals and shit like that everyone (laughs) thinks that's what you learn in film school no no but now i come in and you walk on a a lot a film lot and they're saying shit to you like you should just know this and you have to either act like you do and then go ask someone a question or something like that or people will tell you it's like i don't know i'm trying to think of something stupid that i would learn like on set that i could never have learned on the internet you know what i mean like i think think that the benefit to film school for me was learning the fundamentals and learning film theory and i think a lot of people nowadays are you know learning how to edit or learning cool transitions or learning skill sets but they're not they don't if you don't know the fundamentals then you can't break the rules so you have to know the rules to be able to break the rules so don't just you know learn how to edit and learn how to do transitions because that's not enough you have to know storytelling and know why storytelling because if you don't know why those transitions are just transitions they're not adding value excuse me they're not adding value to the story you're trying to tell absolutely because i see people do that all the time and if you actually watch like uh, and watch watch the best thing i say for editors and this is something i did actually i started doing this in high school watch a movie without the sound and if you can still understand what's going on then that's good editing so my grandma doesn't speak English and it's so funny because sometimes me and my, no, me and and my brother will like put on a movie with her. And we like, I always love when she gets what's going on because she doesn't understand what the people are saying. Yeah, exactly. So she just has to rely on like, you know, emotion, what's going on. So like, we always know that a show is good or not. If like my grandma gets enveloped in it and she's like, this guy's no good or whatever. (laughs) And, but I'm like, how does she know what's going on? But like movies like Inception or something, it's probably, it's like impossible. But that's facts because look at like how many creators are coming up right now. And I think are glorified for like this insane edit ability, but yeah, just some wild shit. And I love it because it's new and it's something that people are exploring with. And now they're mixing, Oh, here's a 360 cam added to it. And it's cool as fuck. But the problem is for longevity for these young creators because they come up and they just start shooting right away and they never 
develop the storytelling the storytelling ability it's like if you can add that to your insanity of editing and video skills it's like that's where you will become excellent in that you know what i mean and i think you'll last a long time because no matter what since cameras came out someone's been able to use that as a tool to tell a story and if you can't use that shit to tell a story then why the fuck should we pay attention especially right now when like people can't sit there and watch a video on instagram for more than 30 seconds before they swipe so if it's just a bunch of craziness if you're listening this long you have a great attention span yeah. and you are amazing and you should reproduce but that gives me hope because these are things that people should be studying because andrew's just dropped fucking gold every time he talks about things that you should pay attention to as a creator and Dude, i if, learned a book to read yeah I learned a, but like if you are if you really care about this shit that's why podcasts are so powerful that's why we're doing these podcasts and it's yeah. worth in, like invest your time these are the tools if, especially if you can't there's a thing about going to film school and not being able to afford film school because i wanted to go to film school really fucking bad and i couldn't go that shit was so expensive i just couldn't afford it i had to go out of state and do all shit so i couldn't go so i used everything before people like you existed on youtube I, and I wouldn't even consider myself a filmmaker. But you or teach. I, you teach. Me I just things. happened to be really into video editing, like from a, a long time ago, for fun. And then it kind of like led me into like talking with all these people who do like more industry type of work. And somehow I become a teacher because I knew the software really well. And then I'm like helping people who are doing projects that I never would have been doing. You know? But that's what I'm saying. Like that helps set, like ideas or at least teach me how to use certain tools so that i can move on and get my ideas out like get it yeah. on paper basically yeah. and it's the boring stuff I, I used to read it from final cut did you ever have that the final cut book yeah of course. like about the fucking books dog that had final cut and you would walk through each chapter they and still have them at barnes and nobles if of you course go. they do yeah they do like, that's so how i did i remember sitting in florida on my family vacation the like they, they have whole booklets on like certain camera and it's coming back now people are selling pdf packages like yeah, jacob yeah. owens he's breaking that shit down and he's like, like on a third book or whatever yeah. and, it, and they're so helpful because it's just current ideas and it gets your brain flowing and you're able to learn from that and i think that you just have to utilize those tools and if you're willing to invest your an hour into listening to the just no d show podcast you're definitely trying to like all of a sudden you meet a shannon you meet an andrew and these are people that you can start looking up to and start paying yeah. attention to and then you study these people and they become your mentors even if they never talk to you directly you know what no, I mean? and i think a lot of people don't realize like shannon said earlier about dming and that, that dude actually responded and i get tons of dms all the time and i read and reply to most i mean if it's just like yo thanks keep it up i just like leave a heart but if someone leaves me a question i answer and i answer everyone and sometimes people are like oh i can't believe you answered i'm like mm -hmm. why wouldn't i it's yeah. so weird. <laughs> and you got you guys probably like, answer everyone right so like yeah. anyone who's listening to this probably can dm anyone here if they want to like that thing you said about the thing or whatever and just like talk more one-on-one -on -one. Mm -hmm. and that's like mentorship like you said a lot of people probably get i think a lot of people think like a mentor is somebody that literally takes you under their wing and yeah. watches over you and like says this and that a mentor can just be like someone you read a book from and they don't even know that you read their book or this yeah, podcast true. can be mentoring you mm -hmm. or like a, just a quick dm convo yeah you know? like your mentor doesn't have to like suddenly become your mentor because they said i am now your yes. mentor and you are my mentee and we are going to go on this journey together like you probably that's what Andrew did for you yeah we, we well gave that's you what that he did for me but we gave her that everybody. bamboo stick and all that <laughs> he, shit he knighted me with his sword i would you say also i would say like it's important to find mentors for sure, but also reach out to other creators and work together and grow together. So Absolutely. if you're an editor, reach out to a director or reach out to a cinematographer or whatever, even if, even if they're at your level, um, still just work together and create together. Just always be creating and learn from each other. 
Teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. And all these teams hey. right now are like blowing up, like not even YouTube wise, but like even musically wise. Like there's this group called Brockhampton. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. heard of them. Yep. And like it's just like 12 dudes. They got a camera dude. They got a graphic designer. They got a photographer. They got a producer. Literally like 12 dudes mobbing and they lived in a house in South Central and just like were making they just did everything in house. It's like a full on production thing. And like all of them blew up and these YouTube teams, like Team Jake 12, Paul, which he it? likes. Yeah. I don't fucking, <laughs> I like Logan Paul. Yeah. Logan Paul. We're low fucking Maverick. You guys are Jake Paul. They don't pay there. attention we're to it at Logan all. Paul. What's YouTube? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's also, this is also like what I always tell people because you get like, say, okay, yeah, we get DMS and we like to answer them. And that's like how black window cream came to be because it was like an absurd amount of, questions and i want to answer all of them and give all my time but it's we're doing this shit and making fucking sticky notes and stuff so it's like i can't answer all these questions but i try to like even for andrew andrew will be like oh hey join this group that we started so that we can push people into a space where they can collaborate with other video people collaborate with other editors and do all this shit and that was like the idea behind that but it's also people need to understand how to ask the best question possible if they're going to take up the guy that has a documentary on Netflix time yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. You if don't want to ask stuff like, Hey, how do you download uh, this? Like, and they do it all go- the time. Google everything first. Yes. And then yeah. ask the question that only you would know. Like, mm-hmm. like you can't Google, how did you enjoy your time? At whatever, or mm-hmm. something personal, you, you know, yeah. you can't Google. How did Andrew Sandler enjoy his time in Venice beach? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, um, uh, Anyways, I want to kind of wrap this up. I think we talked about a lot of stuff. It's been a good, solid hour. But I just want to wrap it up by going around and talking about, you know. Shannon's shoes. Shannon's shoes, basically. new shoes. She always has good shoes. No, I just want to go around and uh, ask, like, you know, we talked about where we've kind of been, what we've been working on. What's, like, the next step then for you guys, like, what's in the what's in the plans what's in the works and what's anything that anyone's listening should like keep their ears peeled out for about so let's just go like this way again yeah uh first and foremost um thank you for listening and you should follow everyone uh, that is talking right now on instagram or wherever links and stuff and creep websites even though no one uses those that often anymore but there's stuff that's there and you should educate yourself on who you're listening to because we're in the room with some talented motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I'll so, take it. <laughs> yeah, just saying. That's the first thing I did when my friend told me about Andrew. And then I'm like, go to his website. I'm like, holy shit. And I watched the documentary. I watched a lot of stuff. I didn't even know him. I was There was like maybe not even a chance that I'd ever talk to him again. But I was like, I wanted to know about, see what he did and stuff. Because it was just so interesting to me. But anyway, that's not... Just pay Cut attention. it. We're trying to wrap it up. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is why our podcast went someone, three hours. What was the question? Yeah, I don't <laughs> nothing. Know. What's uh, what's next for you? Oh, what, uh, what do you want people to know? Go I'll, follow Black. Go check yeah, out Black Window. That's Cream. it. Uh, Black Window Cream, and we're also parallel to that. We're doing a bunch of other shit and making cool projects and stuff. And I just want to build a community that people can learn from. I don't think we explained. It. It's like a, it's like a Facebook creators group. Anyways. I'll link it. They'll yeah, know. podcast all that shit. You can't explain everything to everybody like your film teacher said, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just mm-hmm. bwnc.com. Go figure it out. <laughs> it's very helpful. Shannon? Um, I will end with a tip for any women creators out there because I have like some plans for the future, but I don't know. They're not that exciting to talk about. Dude, that's <laughs> Jesus. Now you just made me want to redo the whole podcast. <laughs> I, feel like I could literally should have asked you like, 
advice for women in this space because my audience is like 80% male, 20% I will tell you right now, tip for women, um, don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. Don't be afraid to apply for jobs you feel that that you're unqualified for. And then a tip for men, male creators, is to make sure you keep listening to other women creators as well. Make sure that you're not like cutting them down and um, because they have a lot to contribute and they may take your work to the next level that you would never think Absolutely. before. Our perspective sucked. To you took honest. our work to the next level. <laughs> Shan <laughs> really took our work to the next level. Shan's a beast. Tee-hee. Yeah. But before that, anytime women would talk, me and Andrew would be like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. There's no room for you in this world we live in. It's flex. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh Andrew, what's your Mac Pro like? <laughs> <laughs> Want to hit the gym? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, but Ram, but Ram. We're like, shut up about your Ram. Uh, We're men. <laughs> no, Shannon's telling the truth. She's a shit. Y'all laugh, but yeah, my friend, she's a production designer and she, so production designers do a lot of like, you know, they create sets and stuff like that. And there's a lot of heavy lifting involved. And there's so many people who are on set who just like are like, Oh, honey, like, I don't think that you can do that. Like, I don't know. She's constantly carrying 50 pounds worth of stuff to set, obviously, because you're building and you're doing using using tools and stuff like that. So for like male creators, just to watch yourself, make sure that you're not doing that because it's kind of like it may seem funny, but it's kind of like sus. And also like it happens for other women shooters as well. Like some people may think that like they can't handle that camera because it's like too complicated or whatever. But Just keep doing your thing, and yeah. I respect that, and I agree with everything that was said. And Shannon <laughs> is leading the pack. Teehee. Yes. Uh, Sorry, we don't have any time for you. That was it, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks well, for listening. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I thought for real when you got up earlier, I thought I was Andrew was like, leave. oh, he's gone now. <laughs> You've reached your time limit with Andrew. I know. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I talked too I long. Failed. <laughs> That's right. a wrap. Would that be crazy though? That'd be so fucking awkward if you just better. like, if so someone awkward. was like, my He's time's like, so valuable. We done. What did Birdman do? We done here. Or we done. Yeah. <laughs> At the breakfast club. Oh, yeah. We done and we threw. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh my so God. weird. Yeah. We're done here. Don't speak on my name. All yeah, right. Go on. Don't Sorry. Don't speak on my name. Don't speak on my name. Uh, I'll make a quick. Uh, last thing I want to say is don't, don't wait on anyone. Uh, always uh, create for yourself, create. We live in a time where you don't have to be waiting on other people anymore or wait for the next job. You can always be creating your own work, create your own job, always be pitching things um, and just creating in general, I think. Like, don't just wait for the next opportunity. There's always something that you can do to improve yourself. Absolutely. So I'll leave all their stuff, everything we talked about, the, the book, those things. And I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, definitely subscribe, leave a review, rating, subscribe on YouTube, all that. I'll probably just do an outro again. But uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. And we will. And thank you guys for the time, of course. Yeah. Of course. And we will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Sweet. Cool. Oh, that was fun. All right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah.